Awesome. Well, good morning, everyone. If you got your Bibles, let's get into some things, and I'm going to share with you. And you may be wondering, what was that all about? Well, I'll tell you, and then we're going to maybe do a little more. I'm not going to go long. But I want to just share with you just some things that have been really just impacting my heart over the, this course of this time, and I've shared tidbits with you from here. Uh, but in just regards to the season that we're in, and you know, every year I just I spend I spend some time. I designate just even hours in my day just to say, Lord, what are you speaking to us as a church family? What direction are you leading us? Where do you want us to go? And for quite a time, there wasn't. Uh, I mean, I you know, even on holidays over the summer, I just take take some time, Lord, just what are you saying? What are you doing? And I wasn't hearing anything necessarily inside. Not that anything was wrong, but I just didn't. It wasn't the right time for it yet. I should get rid of that gum. <laughs> it's gonna. I'm going to put that right there. No, don't you. Oh, you're going to, oh, going to say. I thought you were going to, yeah. I'll tell you a funny. I was going to say one time, thank you, Terry. There was one time, Terry, she, had, she was drinking tea, and usually what I do is my wife leaves her coffee cup on the, like, on the thing, and so before I go up, I put it not where she drinks out of, but on the other side, right? And so every time she takes a sip, it's like, mint. Like, what? What? I don't have mint tea. What is this? So actually, not too long ago, I thought it was Jamie's cup, but it was Terry's. So I lathered my gum all in there, got it nice and creviced along the side. And Terry, I'm drinking somebody else's tea. No, that was yours, Terry. God bless you. <laughs> Just wanted to give you some minty freshness. Yeah, hand stuck to it. You know, it's, I feel like I'm four years old again. Just what do I, what do, I do with it? Just throw it. <laughs> But as I was saying, I was just, you know, spending some time just seeking the Lord about it. And, you know, every year I just kind of get a, just a hunch or even just a word once in a while. And so I, I didn't get it right normally when I would get it. So I'm like, Lord, am I missing something? And, you know, you kind of get panicky like, oh, what, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? And uh, just not too long ago, this is about, let's say about a month or so ago, uh, just Jamie and I were having some conversation, just talking about the word, talking about just the church family and just different things like that. And all of a sudden we were discussing and one word just popped out of both of our lips and it just resonated so strong on the inside of us. And I want to share that word with you. I've already shared it in some with our prayer team and some worship teams and things, but I want to just again, reiterate to the whole church family, just to give you a little bit of an idea where we're going. And uh, I mean, you know, 2020 has been quite the year. And uh, I mean, a lot of times you've, you've had a lot of run-ins with numerous things, have you not? Right? I mean, it started off with this whole COVID thing, and it just continued down the effect. And, you know, that's, we're going to have an election in a couple months in the United States, and, you know, it's going to impact us here too. It's, it's, we're getting run-ins all over the place. And uh, so this year, what the Lord just really, the word that really hit my heart was the word encounter. And really what encounter is, an encounter is simply to run into something. It's what an encounter is. And as I said, this past year, we've run into a lot of things. And so this is what I believe the Lord said to me and he spoke to me to talk to us as a church family about is this, that we are to expect, we are to prepare our hearts, and we are to create an environment for encounters with him. So never mind, prepare, right? We're preparing. Before that actually we're sorry, we're expecting, we're preparing, and we're pre preparing. So sorry, expecting, pre I just said that, didn't I? <laughs> expecting, preparing, and creating. That's what it is. Expecting, preparing, creating. This is what we do. This is what we're going to focus our time on. And however the Holy Spirit leads us, that's what we're going to follow. Is that okay with everyone? All right, good. So this is what we're doing. We are, ex we are to expect, we are to prepare our hearts, and we're to create an environment for encounters with him. And I want to just give a little bit of a, just a background to this, because again, the heart of God regarding just this word encounter. And you know, when you hear the word encounter, what do you think of? Meeting? 
right? And you no, know, just the English simple says it's just to run into something. It's you having a set meeting. And this word, I want to just share quickly the heart of God with you and I, because the heart of God is for people. He is for you. Everybody say, he's for me. So regardless of your situation, regardless of maybe you messed a few things up recently, he's for you. His position towards you has never, ever changed. Well, how do we know that? Luke chapter 15 gives us a clear example. Even the prodigal son. Right, what was the position of the father? He was there continually looking day out, day in, day out, looking for the son to return. He has never left the, the road of grace. He's never, you know, closed his arms off towards you. His arms are continuously and always open to you and I. He's never changed that. Come on, say he never changes. He never changes. And I want to give you this verse in Hebrews chapter 13, uh, verse 5 and 6 in the Passion Bible. And you know what? The reason why he never changes is because he's always on. You know that God never turns off? He's always turned on. So that's why healing can happen right now. That's why somebody can experience salvation right now. Why do we have to wait for a special meeting? No, you just have to turn yourself on. Right? Because when you get on, guess what? He's already on. So you just join in the flow. Well, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6. I'm reading to you from the Passion Bible. And I thought that I had it on the screen, but apologize if it's not up there. But it says in verse 5, this is this. God says that he had, hasn't he promised you, I will never leave you alone. Never. So God's never going to leave you alone. Ever bought him be left alone? Well, God says, I'm never going to leave you alone. Never. Then he says, and I will not loosen my grip on your life. So, verse 6 says, we can say with great confidence. And I want you just to see right here, this is how this lifestyle of faith works right there. God says something. What did he just say that we just read in verse 5? He will never leave us alone. He will never loosen his grip on us. So God says something, then what do we do? So we say something. Do you see that every time you read something from the word of God? For example, by the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. Guess what? There has to be a response to that. God says, you're healed. My response is, thank you. I believe that's true. There's always a response with God. Well, he just said in verse 5, I will never leave you alone, and I will not loosen my grip on you. So look at verse 6. I want you to see, this is how the Bible, this is how the kingdom operates. God says something, he always instigates it, and then we respond. Our job is always the response. He is always speaking, so we simply respond. He said that, so verse 6 says, So we can say with great confidence, I know the Lord is for me, and I will never be afraid of what people may do to me. So when God says this to you this morning, I will never leave you alone. I will not loosen my grip. What's our response? Well, I don't know, God. It sure seems like all hell broke out loose around my life. No, no, no. What's our response? Verse 6 again. You got it in your Bibles. My response is, I know the Lord is for me, and I will never be afraid of what people can do to me. That's our response. Jesus is the grip of God on my life. That's how I know he won't let go. Secondly, God's heart is good towards people. Not only is he for you, but he's good towards you. Right? You know, this uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 14. Remember, this is the scripture that we read at Christmas time. But the angels, right when the, the birth of Jesus happened, the angels came down, and what was their message? Fear not, not yet, yeah, but good news. They say, Good news. And then they said this to all the shepherds that were there. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. Everybody say goodwill. Goodwill toward men. Jesus is the goodwill toward men. 
The life of Jesus shows how good God is. So you want to see how good he is, and it's never stopped. It's Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus didn't just come and go after 33 years. He came, and now he's here to stay because he gave us his spirit. The goodwill is still towards you and I this very day. Now, what's it looking for? It's looking for a recipient. The goodness of God is looking for somebody who will believe it and say, okay, I want that in my life. Lord, I take that for my life because that's really what it all comes down to. What does the goodness of God do? It changes people's lives. Romans 2, 4, it says that the goodness of God leads people to repentance. Not the judgment, not the harshment, not even just all the you know, things that we call Christianese out there. It's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. It's his goodness. And his goodness, and we sang it, is running after me all the days of my life. It's chasing me down. Are you open to it? Are you aware of it? Okay. Now, because God is for me, because his goodness is toward me, I can expect an encounter with him daily. Now, this may be a phrase you've heard quite often, but I and you and I were created with the intention of encountering him. I want you to really take some time to think on that. I was created for the purpose of encountering him, experiencing him. It's not just a Bible that you and I read out of and say, oh, we're good Christians now. No, we are supposed to encounter him. I just got to give a shout out to the overflow. Hey, everybody back there. Hey, y'all. They just, you guys are so great sitting back there. Wish we could find some spots. Like, there's a floor, I guess. That's not really that nice. But we love you all back there, too. Just you can hear it. But I'm created with the intention of encountering him. So from the very beginning of creation, all through the scriptures, even till today, what do we see? We see the heart of God is just longing to be with people. That's what he wanted to do. He wants to be with you. That's good news, isn't it? He's not repulsed by you. He's not like when you wake up, oh, God, it's you again. Like, he's not, he likes you. That's good news. Now, let's talk about these types of encounter. Number one, there's sovereign encounters. There are sovereign encounters. He could make you aware of him. He could give you a run-in, but that is not up to you and I to decide. We can't make encounters happen. That's a sovereign move that he does. For example, Moses and the burning bush, Right? Another one would be Paul went on the road to Damascus, or I should say Saul, before he turned into Paul and wrote half the New Testament. Saul was on the road to Damascus ready to kill a bunch of Christians. And what happened? The Lord appeared before him. And what happened? Man, God changed him. He slapped his name, took the S off his name, and put a P in front of it. Like, and put a P there. Now you are Paul. Like he changed his entire identity, changed everything about this man. Why? By having an encounter with Jesus. Right? Another one would just be John on the island of Patmos who wrote the book of Revelation. Where does that come? That was a sovereign encounter that you and I, we cannot just make happen. But that's one type of encounter. A second one, second type of encounter is this. It's an encounter because of my hunger. An encounter because of my hunger. Do you have people in your life that you like to be around because they like you? Do you like to, do you like to give yourself to somebody who doesn't like you? <laughs> no, right? I'm not going to give more of myself. If you don't like me, well, fine. I'll just keep me to me then if you don't really want any more of this. You don't want it? Fine. Can't touch this. No, 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 no. Just, just kidding. But I can have encounters because of my hunger for him. And a great example of this is, is David. But as my affection for him increases, so does my experiences. Now, you and I, we are having as much of God as we want to right now. In your own personal life, you are having as much of God as you want. Can you think about that again? You are having as much of God as you want. Well, I want more. 
then he needs more of you. Because the, the question is not, God, I want more of you. How can I get more of God? Listen, Jesus gave himself completely to you. The Holy Spirit came. Now he lives on the inside of you. I want more of God. I want more of God is actually a wrong phrase. The question that we need to ask is, how can I give more of myself to him? Because, again, I'm having as much of God in my life that I want. If I want more, guess who changes? Me. James 4.8 stays the same. You come close to God, and he'll come close to you. It's you and I. He's already moved. He gave you Jesus. Now he's waiting for you and I to take a step. So again, anybody interested in experiencing more of God in their life? I know I absolutely am. So what does that require? It requires you and I to take a step. We got to take a step. And however that looked, that may look different for you on an individual basis. But I know for us as a church family, one of the things that the Lord's been stirring in me is just getting our worship up. Spending time, because you and I, we are throne room people. That's who you are. Might as well get used to it. Well, I don't really like doing worship. You better get used to it, because in heaven, there's a whole lot of that going on. When you get a glimpse of how amazing our God is, you can't help but just throw up your hands and just belting out another note. He's good. Okay. So there's this. An example, as I said, is King David. But David's hunger and passion for God became the fuel for encounters with the Almighty, and the encounters that he had became the fuel for his hunger. It's a vicious cycle. The more hungry you get for God, guess what happens? The more experiences you have. And the more experiences you have, what happens? That fuels your hunger for even more. You know, it get, this is what happened with, uh, with Enoch. He just got so in love with God. There was this love-love relationship between him and God. And one day, God just had enough and said, Enoch, you're coming over to my house. Didn't even ask his parents for a play date. Just took him. Just took him away. Now look at, where's Enoch? And all that was known about Enoch, he had this tem- testimony that he pleased God. That's how excited it was. God just in love with Enoch. Enoch just in love with God. No, I love you more. No, I love you more. No, God, I love you. No, Enoch, I love you more. And it just went on and on until God's like, God, get over here and brought him up to heaven. That's who our father is. And listen, we are heading towards that day to that glorious rapture day when finally when everything is wrapped up here, then he just goes, come here, family, and he's ready to pick you and I up. God's not going, oh, dear, like, I don't want this to happen. I, like, I don't want to go see these guys. These guys are ridiculous. That's not his heart. He wants to be with you, but we don't have to wait to the rapture to experience the almighty God. Isn't that good news? Man, that's good. If that's the case, if we had to wait all this time, man, what's the point of all this? What's the point of gathering? That's true. Other than look, looking, man, Joel looks really nice today. Other than that, there's got to be something more than church, than even a donut. Thank God for donuts, but I don't know, man. There's got to be something more to it. Can I get an uh-huh in the house? Uh-huh. All right, I'm glad we're on the same page. Now, let's look at Psalm 63 here for a moment. Now, Psalm 63 is, is absolutely my, one of my favorite. And this is, this is a prayer that I have for my personal life. I want this to be my hunger level. I'm stirring up my hunger. Right? You know, in the, in the, in the natural world, when you're hungry, you eat, right? Well, in the spiritual world, the more that you eat, the more hungry you get. So right now, what you and I do in the spiritual side of things, we have to create our own hunger. If you're not hungry for God, you can't put that on anybody else except for you. That's only you and I. You and I can stir up the hunger because to the degree that we're hungry, God will meet every hungry heart. He'll reach every person that's there. 
And this is the desire of my heart, Psalm 63, 1 through 8, is the desire of not only my personal heart, but also the heart of this church. That I believe this is our church growth strategy. If anybody wondering, how are we going to expand and go to the next level? It's hunger. It's hunger. It's an absolute hunger for Jesus like there's, it's never been seen before. That's the desire that we're going for. That's the desire I'm going for. I want people, when I'm able to walk around and people go, what is it about you? There's something different about you. Oh, it's because I'm hungry for God. That's the answer. That's what, and that's what I want this church to be a beacon on, a beacon on this, in this city that we're representing. Not only that, a beacon of light in this nation that we live in. There's something about Alberta. What is it? We got hungry believers in this province. Hungry for the Lord. We're not moved by what people do. We're not moved by what governments say. Listen, and this is something I shared a little while ago, but Proverbs 23, 17, it says, don't get distracted by the opinions and the nastiness of the world leaders that are out there because you lose your awe for God. They're going to do what they're going to do. And we're going to pray for them. Absolutely. We're going to do all that. But I'm not going to get distracted and lose my awe for God. My awe for God is what I protect. So if anybody even wants, you know, even just this other day, every once in a while something, you know, kind of pops up on your, your media platform. And it's like watching these sad stories of, you know, some horrible event that just took place. I, I, the other day I pressed play just to watch this video. And halfway through it, I stopped and I went, why am I doing this? It ain't doing nothing good for me except makes me angry. Or just stirs up just these emotions in me that I go, ah, and there you go, my night's ruined. So what I'm doing, a lot of times, I've been actually pressing pause on a lot of this just to say, Lord, I'm going to turn my hunger on towards you. I'm going to burn for you like there's no burning that I've ever seen. That's what I want for my life. Now look at this, Psalm 63. This is God of my life. I want you to hear these words. God of my life, I'm lovesick for you in this weary wilderness. I thirst with the deepest longings to love you more with cravings in my heart that can't be described. Such yearning grips my soul for you, my God. And before I go on, I just kind of, you know, I hear this, that, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of, you know, wimpy, David. Like, it's a little bit, you know, dear diary stuff, or it's kind of more of like what I've seen from, you know, desperate housewives or something. I, I don't want to get all involved in that. Listen, I want to just encourage you, men, this is as manly as men as you can get. David, what did he do? He killed a bear. Killed a lion with what? With his bare hands. Man, then what did he do? He went to that giant and what did he say? You uncircumcised Philistine. I'm going to kill you and then I'm going to cut your head off. Like this, that's what I'm talking about. This is a man. This is what I'm talking Man's man. But notice this. So strong on the outside towards what's evil, yet just a tenderness and hunger on the inside for God. And this is what we need more than ever in this day that we're living in. Is yes, we got these thick skins. Nothing's going to offend me. I refuse to be offended. I refuse to get bitter. I'm going to be tough on the outside, but I'm going to be soft on the inside. We're going to need this because, listen, they're going to be talking about you a lot more as the days go on. They're going to be saying things about you that you thought, dear Lord, I'm like, what happened to you? They're going to be saying some nasty stuff about us, but guess what? We're not moved by that. Why? Because our passion and our zeal for God outweighs anything that anybody could ever say or do. Say your best. Say your worst. It don't matter because my love for God is what sustains me and holds me. Verse 2, he says, I'm energized every time I enter your heavenly sanctuary. Now notice this. When is he energized? When he enters. Not after the time with the Lord. Before he gets in. So how did he go to church? Let's do this. He's energized as he came in. I don't want to just be energized when I leave the doors or after I get my donut, 
Right? I found I got some calories in. Now, okay, a little bit more energy. No, I'm energized as I come on in. I want you to see just the, this is the reproach that he comes in. I'm energized every time I enter your heavenly sanctuary. Notice to seek more of your power and drink in more of your glory. Verse 3. For your tender mercies mean more to me than life itself. How can I get to that place? How can I actually say that your goodness, your mercy means more to me than my own life? It's because he turned his hunger on. That's all that it is. What's the difference between David and us? He just turned himself on to God more. That's all that it is. How I love, I love these words, how I love and praise you, God. How I love and praise you, God. Verse 4, daily I will worship you passionately. Doesn't say Sunday. What is he saying? Daily. Daily. Say it with me. Daily. Daily I will what? I will worship you passionately and with all my heart. I'm going to bring you my best. God's not going to get my second best attention. God's not going to get my second best praise. He's going to get the very best of who I am. Does he deserve it? Man, absolutely he's worth it all. He says, my arms will wave to you like banners of praise. Every time I read that, you know the first thing that pops in my mind? Everybody seen those like, uh, um, you know those things that kind of on the side of, you know, buildings, advertising, those little. That's kind of how I see it. My arms are going to do this to you. God, I'm just going to wave like praise. So, my arms will wave to you like banners of praise. Verse 5, I overflow with praise when I come before you. Are you hearing some of these words? This is not, oh God, 2020 sucks. Get me out of this now. Why does everything have to be so bad? No, he's saying, I'm going to overflow with praise when I come before you. For the anointing of your presence satisfies me like nothing else. You are such a rich banquet of pleasure. Notice to where? To my soul. What's my soul? It's my emotions. It's my will. It's my decision maker. What's, What's a rich banquet? It's he is. I get him on my brain. Some of you got to get 2020 off of your brain. Oh, this year. Forget this year. And you have an opportunity with God. He wants to encounter you. What am I going to get? I'm going to get him on my mind. Verse 6 and 7, he says, I lie awake each night thinking of you and reflecting on how you help me like a father. I sing through the night under the splendor shadow, offering up to you my songs of delight and joy. Verse 8, with passion, I pursue you. And cling to you because I feel your grip on my life. I keep my soul close to your heart. This is his prayer. This is exactly what he did. So I want to answer this question. Why encounters? Number one is because encounters are transformational. Anybody ever had a defining moment in their own personal life? I know for me. It wasn't just more preaching that got me set on fire. It was actually experiencing him. I mean, thank God for the word, but we're, we're going to preach the word because a lot of times from the word comes these encounters. Hands down, this is God speaking to us, right? It's more love for the word of God creates more encounter. But it's not just teaching in the sense of, of getting more teaching or more theology because the theology without experience is just more teaching. The difference between us and every other religion that's out there is that we have a real God. And the real God also likes to encounter his people. Allah's dead. Baal is dead. There ain't no such thing. They're just dead little idols. There's nothing to it. But we have a God that wants to encounter us. He wants to be with us. He desires that. And so this is what the Lord said to me, that you prepare, or sorry, get, get uh, 
What's that word again? Number one? Ex expect? Prepare and create space. This is what we're going to do. Okay. So again, encounters are transformational. They cause us to want to make the necessary changes in our personal lives to walk closer to him. Nobody made me do this. My mama didn't make me be up here. My dad didn't force me to be involved in ministry. It's, I get to. Maybe in my earlier years, they forced me to go to church, you know, after 18, kind of doing some stupid things. They forced me to go to church. But now guess what? I get to. I want to now. Why? Because I had an experience with him. And that's who our God is. That's what we're talking about. Okay. Secondly, encounters, which include greater insight into the nature of God, causes us to be bold, to step out and face seemingly impossible situations. And it's often because of our boldness in knowing who our God is that draws him into impossible situations. Boldness. Encounters with him create in boldness. If I don't get these encounters, and I'm not operating in the boldness like he called me or told me to be operating, it actually, it makes a, it, it actually puts a damper on the whole Christian life. Because you and I, we're supposed to be bold. The boldness to lay out. All of a sudden you see somebody that's dealing with sickness in their body. What causes somebody to go out, lay hands on the sick and see them recovered? Boldness. And where does boldness come from? Knowing who my God is. And I experiencing know who my God is is through the encounters that I have with him. Because if I go sheepishly out there, God, I sure hope this works. It won't work. I have to know who my God is. I have to know that when I preach the word, that things are going to happen. I have to know it like I know him, like I know him intimately. This is what creates the boldness. And boldness seems to attract God. Think of, Shad, like think of just some of the Old Testament stories that you've heard. What was, the, what was the common denominator between all of these powerful men and women of God? Their boldness to stand on what God said. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. How come they didn't burn? They knew that God was able to take them out. Daniel and the lion's den. How come Daniel was so sure that he wasn't going to be eaten? My God will take care of me. You, you, you read it down the line. You can see it over and over and over again. They knew who their God was, and they acted out on that knowledge of him that created boldness, and people are drawn to boldness. People need to see strength like they've never seen strength before. If we don't have boldness, it costs us dearly. That person at work that you know that you've had it on your heart to invite them or to share the gospel with them, to tell them about Jesus, how come I'm not doing it? The boldness is gone. And if the devil can take away the church's boldness... We are ineffective. So why does God even tell us about this word encounter? Is because it's time for us. He wants our boldness to come up to a new level. It's not just about you and I singing nicer songs and, you know, experiencing God here, although that will happen. But the, the result behind it is you and I will get bolder, and therefore we become bolder in the city that we live in. Darkness will not take over this city. Why? Because the righteous are as bold as lions. You can't shut us up. You can't keep us locked down. No chance. Why? Because the righteous are as bold as lions. Okay, now, let me show you this. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Just show you just this quick example. It says, the council members, this is after Peter and John, they got arrested. And they were brought to go meet. They just, a, a man was lame. <laughs> he was lame. Hadn't walked in his entire life. And Peter and John raised him up. Remember this story, Acts chapter 3? And silver and gold have I done, but what I have I do I give unto thee. In the name of Jesus, rise up, stand up, and walk. Like, what is that? That is boldness all over it, right? I don't have silver and gold on me, but what I do have, I'm going to give it to you. In Jesus' name, rise up, stand up, walk. And the man stood up, leaping. Wow, this is amazing. All because of what? Boldness. 
The boldness. They knew they had faith in who Jesus was and what he commanded him to do. Now, they, he got arrested because of all this good stuff. Now, look at this. The council members were astonished as they witnessed the, come on, say it with me, the what? The bold courage of Peter and John, especially when they discovered that they were just ordinary men who had never had religious training. Continuing on, it says, Then they began to understand the effect Jesus had on them simply by spending time with them. How come they were so bold? It's because Peter and John, who were they with? They were spending time with Jesus. This is it. How do you, how do you, how do you heal those that are sick? Spend time with Jesus. How do I reach my coworker that just seems so like crazy? Like if, if the devil had a brother, this was him. How do I reach this guy? Spend time with Jesus. There's no answer. There's no other thought or special little magic potion that you can throw out there to hope make you change this around. It's you and I in the presence of Jesus that people see the effect that he had on our lives. So a question I want to ask is who or what is having an effect on your life? Who or what is having an effect on your life? Because what you hang around is having an effect on you. Whether you realize it or not, watching these videos continuously over and over of all the chaos and all the, you know, the minutia that is out there in this world, it has an effect on you. Some of you, God's called you to step out in some business areas. God's called you to step out even in some relationship areas. And you're not doing it simply because you're spending too much time on social media. Therefore, you have no boldness to act out. And you're trying to go, God, what do you want me to do next? you got to turn some things off. You can't encounter God while flipping through Facebook. It doesn't work. How do I know? I have personal experiences on that. God, where, where are things going on? Turn it off. I'm over here. Oh, 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 oh okay. I'm going to just demonstrate. Oh, man, I know this is addicting. But more the time that you spend over here, the more, oh, oh, I don't need my phone for entertainment. It's a tool. Tools don't own me. I own tools. Anyways, I'll leave that there. Okay. Now let's look at the next thing. Acts chapter 5. Just flip over on your Bible if you have it or follow on the screen. But I want you to see what or who is having an effect on your life. Acts chapter 5, verse 12 through 16. I want you just to see the results because Peter and John had spent so much time with Jesus. It says, the apostles performed many signs, wonders, and miracles among the people. How did they do that? Man, I wish we could have the same thing in the early church. Listen, we can, and we're supposed to. Jesus said, even greater works will you do because I go to the Father. So how are we going to see it? Be with him. Everybody say it with me. Be with him. It's not just slapping a prayer on something and, God, how come it didn't come through? Are you with them? Because if you're not abiding in the vine, this is something the Lord's been showing me more and more, that abiding in the vine is where the power is. If I'm not abiding in the vine, there's, why, am I, why am I expecting power to come through? It's only through my abiding with him that I'm going to see anything happen in my life. So you hear this in the apostles. They perform these mighty miracles among the people. We go, yeah, yeah, but now would you like to be the one involved in it? Come on, how many of you want to be involved in that? Absolutely. Why? So that God gets more glory. We were able to reach more people. How do I do it? I'm with him. I'm with him. So I know what to do when the time or situation arises. Right? Here's the thing. You're either preparing with the Lord or you're going to have to repair later. You're either preparing ahead of time or you're going to have to repair later. And it's way better to prepare instead of repair. 
We're going to talk about that next week as we're just talking about creating an environment in our heart. We have to prepare our heart for this. It's not something that just randomly comes. No, you get ready for this thing. Cool? Okay. Verse 13. It says, The believers were wonderfully united as they met regularly in the temple courts in the area known as Solomon's Porch. No one dared harm them. (laughs) Just think that's kind of cool. Don't you dare touch them. For everyone held them in high regard. Verse 14. Continually more and more people believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Look at that. That's salvation. That's the world coming to the church. Great crowds of both men and women. Verse 15. In fact, when people knew that Peter was going to walk by, notice what they would do. They carried the sick out to the streets and they laid them down on cots and mats knowing the incredible power emanating from him would overshadow them and heal them. Now, wouldn't that be awesome? All of a sudden, they hear, oh, hey, Cheryl, Cheryl's going to Bower Mall today. Hey, Cheryl's going to Bower Mall today. Put it on Facebook. Cheryl's going to Bower Mall today. Put it on Insta. Cheryl's going to Bower Mall today. And all of a sudden, people are bringing sick folk left, right, and center while Cheryl's shopping at Claire's. <laughs> getting her earrings, you know, getting a little, you know, a little ponytail bun, doing whatever we got to do. But imagine hearing that. Cheryl's coming. Hey, hey, oh, Dave's coming. Dave's coming in. Dave's coming in. Oh, John. Hey, John Smith's coming in. Bring over. And what do we do? They're laying all the sick in front of them. Why? Just the shadow. Just the shadow. Everybody say shadow. Didn't even say Peter had to lay his hands on them. Just the shadow. A shadow? What do shadows do? Is there any substance to a shadow? Nothing. What is it about him then? It's because who he was with. Because who he was with contaminated everything, so everything good, into Peter. That even though Peter would walk around, the shadow would heal people. People possessed with demons for years. People that never walked. Blind eyes. Lame folk. People that couldn't speak. You name it. Deaf, dumb, lame, everything. COVID-19. I bet you they had COVID-19 back then too. Apparently, everybody's dying from COVID now. They're, all that laid it in front of Peter, and the shadow would heal him. How is that possible? Encounter. Do you think Peter kind of went, no, get away from my shadow? Or, no, just don't ignore me. Get away from me, people. No, no, it's not just me. No, he would walk boldly through that, knowing because who he was with. It's not look at how good I am. I'm, I'm Peter. I'm sure something else. No, he would know who he was with. I'm with him. And when I go, my shadow is going to do damage to your whatever that's hurting your body. <laughs> do you see how weak the devil is? Do you see how anything he tries to put on us, guess what can take care of it? A shadow. Come on, say it with me. A shadow. Shadow. It's not the name of your next pet. It's a shadow. <laughs> Man. The devil's freaking out because of Peter's shadow. I just think that's something else. Shoot, Peter's walking, and the sun's just coming in perfectly. It's giving a really big shadow in the afternoon. No! Could you imagine Peter or, like, Satan hating 2 o'clock in the afternoon because you get the brightest shadow? No! Please, not 2 o'clock! I hate from 2 to 5. The shadow is huge. Like, the devil losing his mind because of a shadow. Man, I think that ought to be us. Okay. Now notice, it's because of their hunger, the disciples' hunger, 
and their passion for Jesus, it gave others the opportunity to encounter God. This is the whole point of it, is we want other people to encounter our Jesus. So I will do whatever it takes to get in the presence of God so I can operate boldly, so I can operate according to the will of God, what he wants done in a service or when I'm walking down the street so that other people can encounter him. Because my life was changed because of an encounter with him. I thank God that there was a lady who spent time in the presence of Jesus to call me out, to correct me in front of everybody. I thank God for that. It hurt during the moment, but boy, am I thankful for that now. Why? Because that moment right there turned everything around for me. He cared about me. Jesus actually had time to talk to you about me? Out of all the stuff that's going on, Jesus, you talked to her about my life? You told her what I was going through? You care about me. That changed everything for me. And God wants to do that throughout this city. All he's needing is vessels that will say yes. Yes. Now, reminder as we go into this year that we do not seek encounters. We're not people that are looking for encounters. We're not looking for some kind of natural or physical manifestation of anything. Why? Because if you start looking for encounters, the devil will make sure that you get them. He's a flesh devil, and he will do everything he can to give you a goose pump over here. And a, whew, I, felt, I felt cold air breathing on my neck. Listen, great. That doesn't necessarily mean anything. We're not going to be those flaky folk that are just encounter this, encounter that. Oh, I got encountered. I just felt, you know, some, like something wet hit my face. It could be the person singing next to you spit. <laughs> Talking very moistly. And, and you think it was the spirit of God. When in fact, it was Julian just belting it out. I'm just saying. So we, we're not going to get all that, you know, that all weirdness on things. What it is, is we are genuinely going after Jesus. We passionately go after this man. Because again, we're again, we're not searching these things, but we're searching the one man, Jesus. Philippians 3.10 says, my determined purpose is that I may know him. This is my, what I want, that I may know him. That I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. This is what I want. Next, also Psalm 24 verse 6 says, this is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God. That's us. Now, as I said, even though we don't look for encounters, what we can do is we can set up an atmosphere that the Spirit of God is able to express himself. He needs a place to express himself. Did you know the Holy Spirit is always looking for an opportunity to express himself? Did you know that? The Holy Spirit's not just a silent partner on the inside of you. He's the one that bears witness with us, so that's the first thing he does. He wants to bear witness, but he also wants to manifest himself. And that's why we got the gifts of the Spirit in operation. We need those for the benefit of the entire body. And we're going to talk into that as we go into this month and upcoming months. We're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit because we need them in operation. And everyone in this room can operate by the gifts of the Spirit. Everybody can. Isn't that exciting news? Man, I think that's awesome. It's happened numerous times here. I think it's really cool. Now, before, just talking about creating an environment for encounter. Number one, worship. Psalm 22, verse 3, very familiar. It says that you are God enthroned, surrounded with songs, living among the shouts of praise of your princely people. What does God live off of? He lives off of our praise. He lives in it. He dwells in it. If you ever really stopped and think about it, every time you stop for a moment, in the shower, in the car, and you just start worshiping God, it attracts him. Some trip even talk about leaving an aroma. You know, Heather and I were talking about that this week. That it's so interesting to think that there's actually a scent that God picks up on. 
So I want to ask you, what kind of, what kind of smell does God get from you? <laughs> whoa, whoa. Or it's, oh, that was some good thing. Off key, but boy, do I love a good heart. <laughs> That's my category, and I'm totally fine with that. <laughs> but worship is a big deal to him. In fact, he dwells on it. Then I want you to show that I want to show you just two spots here. Second Chronicles chapter five. Now, right here, this is about Solomon, and they brought the Ark of the Covenant to the temple. Now, what is the Ark of the Covenant? That's where the presence of God lived in. God was in the box. Right? And what they did in the Old Testament, they had priests that would come and they would move this ark, right? And they would move it in different places. And wherever the ark was, the presence of God was. Aren't you thankful we don't live in that today? That we'd have to travel to Israel to get into the presence of God to ask for an answer. In fact, you can bring the presence of God down to you now where you sit. Think about that. The Old Testament, you had to go and kill a bunch of lammies and a bunch of goats, a bunch of bulls in order to even get access. But now, because of the blood of Jesus, you and I have complete access right where you're sitting, in Red Deer, in your home, in your car, and you can just say, Lord, I thank you for the blood of Jesus and start worshiping him that the presence of God comes right into your car. Like, I think you, we have got to not be so, in, you know, with an entitlement mindset. The Old Testament had to work their butts off to get in the presence of God. We freely get it. I get to come and I get to worship God. Man, that changes everything. I don't have to go up here. Imagine me having to come up here, you know, stab a bull. Blood, 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 blood. You know, Eden would get soaked with blood. And what I do, just got to sprinkle blood on all of you. You enjoying that? Ew, could you imagine this? Ah, Solomon, my, my eye. Like just all the priests, what they would do, just sprinkle blood on people. Talk about... That'd be a party. <laughs> but that's how they got into the presence of God. So these guys, they're bringing in this ark. Verse, uh, verse 11. It says, Then the priests left the holy place. All the priests who were present, what did they do? They purified themselves. This is part of you and I preparing our heart. There is a purifying of our own soul that has to take place. Thank you for your excitement on that point. It's just as important. All the priests who were present had purified themselves whether or not they were on duty that day. I love that heart. They're just getting it done. Next, verse 12. It says, And the Levites who were the musicians, Asaph, Haman, Jebuthun, and all their sons and brothers were dressed in fine linen robes and stood at the east side of the altar playing cymbals, lyres, and harps. In our case, we got drums, piano, guitar. They were joined by 120 priests who were playing the trumpets. The trumpeters and singers performed together in unison to praise and give thanks to the Lord. Accompanied now, now notice, what do they do? The trumpets, the singers, they performed together in unison. Right, I want you just to create a picture. So here are all these 120 trumpeteers blowing their trumpets. There's the lyre. There's these cymbals. There's these drums. There's this guitar. There's all these people coming together, and they gave thanks to the Lord. They started worshiping and praising the Lord, and it says accompany. Now the trumpets joined, the cymbals, and all the instruments hooked up together, and they started making this sound before the Lord. They raised their voices, and they praised the Lord with these words. Ready? He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Can we say that together? He is good. His faithful love endures forever. 
Now, at that moment, they say moment. What is that? Encounter. It's a run-in. At that moment, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. The priests could no longer continue their service because of the cloud, for the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. What happened? They created an atmosphere amongst themselves that God was pleased and he was able to move into. You know, it says this in Leviticus chapter 10 and verse 3. It says that whoever uh, wants to come close to me, I must be regarded as holy. That doesn't change. That's still the same today. We can't just treat God however we want to treat him. If I want to go close to God, guess what? There's got to be a reverence towards him. I really hope I'm getting this across. This is a big... And notice this, I mean, there's individual time, yes, but I love it in this corporate setting. What do we see is that they came together for the purpose of honoring the Lord. And what they do, they lifted up their voice. They lifted up their words to God. They got their hearts in line. And they would just say, he is good. And his mercy endures forever. And there's something about those, that's that phrase. You see that phrase a lot in the Bible. For he is good and his mercy endures forever. Why? Because you're, you're, you're magnifying, you're making big the very character and nature of God himself. What is he? First of all, he's good. Don't let that phrase become kind of, oh, cliche, I've heard that so many times. No, he's good and he's better than you think. He's good. And then his mercy endures forever. Remember when Jehoshaphat was ready to go to all of a sudden, he realized that three nations were coming against Israel. Remember that Second Chronicles chapter 20? He went, oh my God, what, what are we going to do? Is there a prophet in that? And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God came. You don't have to fight this battle. The Lord will fight this battle for you. All you need to do is watch the salvation of your God. What did they do? They brought the team together, and then did they sing? For the Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. And at those words, it says it released God into fight the, the battle for him. They killed each other because the presence of God went ahead of them. We don't need more Christians ranting about who's right, who's wrong. We know all that. It's been shot long enough. What we need is we need the presence of God infiltrating our area. He is good and his mercy endures forever. It's the goodness of God that changes people's minds. And last thing that I want to make mention, maybe I'll get the the team just to come up again for a moment. We're going to sing one last song because I preach short. Did you all notice that? good because that was hard on me (laughs) just kidding acts 13 verse 2 now you're wondering that was old testament what about new testament well in acts chapter 13 verse 2 this is when saul was still you know he's born again he's saved now he's part of the team and it says this in psalm 13 verse 2 one day as these men talking about the different leaders and apostles that were there as these men were worshiping the lord and fasting the Holy Spirit said. Did y'all hear that? What were they doing? Some translations say, as they were ministering unto the Lord. Now, we all love to get ministered too. How many like to get ministered too? That's when the Lord, you know, speaks to you clearly. You get insight. You get whatever it is. I love when the Lord ministers to me. But there's times when we minister to him. And what does that do? It creates an environment. And right here it says, and the Holy Spirit said And you find out, separate unto me Saul and Barnabas for the work to which I've called them. Did you know a lot of times, just being in the presence of God 
creating an atmosphere, you get clarity for your own personal calling. And from there, what do we read about throughout the rest of the book of Acts? We hear a lot about Paul and Barnabas. Right? Do you not read that? Right? He eventually became Silas. But Paul's entire life from this moment was totally changed because he had an encounter with the Almighty. What did they do? They created an atmosphere for the Spirit of God to work. And sometimes what it is, when you create this atmosphere, it becomes easier to hear. Because when you're in the presence of God, listen, this is how good He is, is that when you're in the presence of God, He takes care of all this stuff that would otherwise be bothering your mind. <laughs> what about my family? What about this? What about my job? What about my finance? What about my health? What about this? Blah, 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 blah. You get in the presence of God, it changes everything. Because all you and I need to know, what's on his heart. Because when you know what God wants you to do next, how I many know that does that do? It creates boldness. And you'll be, safe to, you'll be safe to operate in that. So I'd like to encourage you this last little bit. We're going to just sing that Holy Spirit song. And what I want you to do is just give, give the Lord an opportunity just to minister to your own heart. And I want you just to help, just help set the atmosphere. Maybe you're like, well, I'm good, I, I'm, I'm fine, I got my next step. That, that's great, but maybe somebody else doesn't. So what do we want to do? We want to help them get into the atmosphere. Help them get into a presence where it becomes so clear to hear the Spirit of God even in their own heart. Can we do that together? You can stand, you can sit, you can kneel. Whatever you want to do, you can do. But I, what's more important is I want your hearts to be engaged for a moment. Because this is the last, actually, I yeah, will just, nope.